0: Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast, bringing magical ideas to improve your world from the happiest place on earth. Your host is J. Jeff Kober, author, speaker, and consultant to organizations around the globe that look to bring best of Disney ideas to their workplace. Welcome to the Disney at Work podcast, podcast on this week's episode we are going to help celebrate a big anniversary in the world of Disney theme parks as we look at 50 years of Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Yo ho yo ho a pirate's life for me. And yes that's, yes.
0: <laughs> and that singing Bless ladies and gentlemen be. was absolutely free of charge
1: from Jeff Kober. <laughs> uh, although we may have to royalty although that's yeah. another question whether or not anybody gets royalty from that right from that song. But that's another conversation. Well, dead
0: men tell no tales, but apparently uh, (laughs) podcast hosts
1: do sing.
0: So uh, now that we've gotten the awkward singing out of the way, uh, just a little bit of a preview uh, today. Uh, Jeff and I are going to discuss what lessons we might have to learn from Pirates of the Caribbean, which does celebrate its uh, 50th anniversary on March 18th. And so uh, the voice that you heard earlier, both singing and uh, introducing, was Jeff Kober, owner and operator of DisneyAtWork.com. Jeff, how are things today?
1: Very good. Very good. And, you know, I am thrilled that we're here celebrating the 50th anniversary of Pirates of the Caribbean. So let's uh, let's date myself really quick here because I believe I was there at Disneyland either that first opening summer. It may have been the summer of sixty seven. I do know we went the summer of sixty nine, right when the Haunted Mansion opened. But um, but we did go the very um, uh, the very uh, one of the very first years that that attraction opened. I was a small child, so. If it was 67, I would have been six years old. I remember having my head buried in my mother's lap on that boat ride. I was so scared about the fall that was coming up and the whole thing. I think it's why when Haunted Mansion opened up in 69, I did not go on that, that ride. I was too scared. It would I would be like 12 before I was had the courage to go. On the Haunted Mansion. Then I went on and thought, why what why did I wait so long? But but the Pirates of the Caribbean, if people ask me, uh, what is your favorite attraction of all the attractions, Disney attractions? And I and I say every time, uh Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland in California is above and beyond my favorite. Not because I'm so into the pirate genre per se. But I am into attention to detail. I am into the thick of Disney greatness. And this attraction immerses you like no other. It is such a fantastic attraction. And the cool thing is that we're not only talking about that great attraction, we're taking the opportunity to actually uh, share with you lessons to be learned from all of the Pirates of the Caribbean's across the world. We're going to visit every Magic Kingdom across the globe and talk about what are the lessons learned. That will be your souvenir. You know, every pirates empties out into a gift shop. This podcast empties into a gift shop and you can follow along on our Disney at Work um, blog page. But there'll be some great lessons that you can take back into your own organization. You'll never have like a ride per se in your own business, whether that's an insurance company or a hospital or restaurant or whatever, but you will offer products and services. And these, um, these, this attraction, uh, this legendary experience offers some really great, uh, souvenirs that you can take back to your own organization. So, uh, let's get started. All right. Uh, we'll go with, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, as it uh, began 50 years ago in Los Angeles, California. And, you know, I've heard, Um, A lot, a quote given often about how Mary Poppins was the quintessential film that Walt Disney uh, created towards the end of his lifetime. It combined animation, it combined music, it combined special effects, it combined everything, all all of the things that made Disney films so cool and so wonderful. I would say that Pirates of the Caribbean is the same thing. It was the culmination of Walt's um, experiences in building a theme park. It had learned about creating the experience from the Jungle Cruise, immersion from the submarine voyage. It had learned animatronics from um, uh, the Tiki Room and the Carousel of Progress. It had taken uh, the ideas of utilizing a boat ride from It's a Small World in the New York World's Fair. It took all of those great ideas and music, uh, which was an comp- important component, it took all those ideas and, and brought them together for one fantastic attraction. Uh, and I would say it's not just that he took all these different elements. He took the talents and strengths of all of these different Imagineers you don't have Pirates of the Caribbean without the uh, amazing designs of Mark Davis. You don't have that kind of setting without the thought and leadership of Claude Coates. You add other individuals, the sculpting of uh, Blaine Gibson, the the creation of animatronics by Walthall Rogers, um, Yale Gracie with special effects, Xavier Atencio, Uh, with establishing the song that goes with it, along with George Burns, who takes that little diddly and makes it so uh, a part of the soul of that attraction. Alice Davis with her costumes, he had this ability to see what people could bring to the table, especially when nothing like that had ever been built before, and bring those strengths and bring those talents and create that kind of, um, experience. And, and that I think is the first real lesson to be taken away from this evening is to, um, you know, apply all, you know, build on the strengths and the talents of your people as you create the products and services you offer. Um, now, David, you, your first experience with, uh, pirates of the caribbean was not in disneyland like myself it was with walt disney world so what was that experience like for you what what uh how did you take away that experience
0: well i remember the first time i would have been so if we're starting to date myself the first time i would have gone to walt disney world would have been the spring of 1983 Uh, And so I I don't necessarily know that I would say I remember everything about that trip because I would have been very, very small at that time. But I do remember as we went in subsequent years, Pirates being that experience in addition to the Haunted Mansion as being what I thought of as Walt Disney World, where everything around me as a young child seemed real. And I remembered the smell of Pirates of Caribbean, and I remember the music, and just, it was it was one of those attractions that because you could look all around, you know, in the Haunted Mansion, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that attraction on, on future shows, but the Haunted Mansion, those ride vehicles turn you so that your vision only is aimed in one direction, and you could turn a little bit if you wanted to, and maybe turn a little bit the other. But in Pirates, you can really have a complete view and look anywhere you want in that attraction because of that that ride vehicle system and i remember back then and even now sometimes i will ride through with my kids or my students, and I will notice things that I may not have noticed before, or I would have forgotten. I remember on a recent trip, uh, there's a character uh, near the, the the plundering of the village scene that basically has uh, all of these, he's like juggling a whole bunch of things or kind of wobbling back and forth. And I, I had seen it 30, 40 times before, but I got to see it almost for the first time because I had forgotten about it on a recent trip. And I think that's the thing that Pirates does well, is it offers a lot of different... Details for you to take
1: in. Yeah, it is compared to a cocktail party where you could go through and and uh, and not hear the same conversation, not see the same details, and not experience the same thing every time you go through. Which is why uh, you know I can easily say I have been on Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland at least a um, hundred and fifty to hundred and seventy-five times over my over my lifetime and easily close to that same number, probably the same number at Walt Disney World since I've lived here for the last 24 years um, on that attraction. Now when pirates opened, well, when Walt Disney World, the Magic Kingdom opened at Walt Disney World, there was no pirates. And to guess who showed up in the park, they were very surprised because they had grown up with the wonderful world of Disney on TV, they had seen episodes. In fact, even the opening had a pirate uh, shooting off of, off a barrel. Um, you and you had particular episodes that showcased Pirates of the Caribbean. So here's Magic Kingdom, it's open, everybody's there and where's Pirates of the Caribbean? Now the logic and thinking at the time was, look, uh, we're so close to the Caribbean. Uh, does it make sense? to do something that's so similar to that or, or similar to New Orleans, which is not far away. Um, wouldn't it be better to do something as immersive and as grand a scale with a frontier Western theme? And that was the intent, to build the um, uh, the Western River Expedition uh, in Frontierland as a phase two to the Magic Kingdom. But because of customer demand and customer complaint at the opening of Magic Kingdom. And because, frankly, the economy kind of went south and they didn't have a lot of money, it. they said, you know, it's they're wanting pirates. It's cheaper for us to build pirates than Western River Expedition. Let's build that. We'll come back to Western River Expedition later. That day never came. That attraction was never built. It evolved into a series of other attractions that you now know today as as a big thunder mountain. But um, but the message, the souvenir, the takeaway from the Walt Disney World experience is to listen to your customer. Don't always presume you know more about what interests them. Um, and so build off of that um, understanding of what your customer wants and is, and is seeking for.
0: Well, I think an interesting thing about that that a lot of people might not know, and I deal with this a lot of times when I bring college students to Walt Disney World, is a lot of them assume that Pirates, the attraction, came after the movie. And a lot of students might have been born, at least college students nowadays, that that I would know and, and have frequent contact with. They were born in the early to late 90s. Well, Pirates opened in 1967. The first movie with Johnny Depp didn't come out until 2003. And so before 2003, the only Pirates of the Caribbean people would have known would have been from the theme park. And so I think it's important you know, to also understand the significance of what this attraction meant in the lives of both of those parks as well, long before uh, Captain Jack Sparrow and, and Barbosa even came along.
1: And yet, I have to say, to Disney's credit, they have listened to the customer since those films have come out. Because you know, here are these. Here's a new generation. They're going well. Here's Pirates of the Caribbean, but where's where's Captain Sparrow? And uh, and so they've immersed that. In fact, it, at the Magic Kingdom, you actually have all four films that have been developed already or showcased, represented in some way in the attraction. And they've built on beyond that. Uh, there are so many more. Um, you have a meet and greet with uh, uh, Jack Sparrow. You have, um, Pirates League where you get made up like a pirate. You have, a, a very cool, um, if you've not done it in Adventureland at, uh, Walt Disney World, they have a, a really great, um, uh, pirates, um, scavenger hunt, uh, that is available there. And, um, and then even beyond that, uh, Disney Quest uh, built Pirates of the Caribbean, Battle for Buccaneer Gold. You go on the cruise line and you have Pirate Night. I mean, they really have uh, fed into that demand. And, uh, and Pirates, as a result, is more alive than than ever before. So they have learned to listen to the customer uh, since then. Uh, our third, The third Disney theme park that built Pirates of the Caribbean is Tokyo Disney, And uh, what was your experience, David, visiting Tokyo Disney? What did you glean from that experience?
0: It was actually kind of interesting because being in Tokyo Disney, at the Tokyo Disney Resort, for me as a Disney fan, Disney Sea is where I wanted to spend most of my time. And I'm going to admit that for a while... I neglected Pirates, and it was almost on the first night I was there, after I had spent all day in the park, at the end of the night, it was a, oh, that's right, over in this corner is Pirates, and I went on it. That attraction, in addition to, to be honest, every attraction in Tokyo, felt like it was just built the previous night. It was so clean, and so, I mean, it... it, 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 it felt as if I had just come upon there in the boat before me. There was somebody uh, that worked there that had been painting and touching things up. And I think what that does is it makes it feel more alive. It makes everything feel more authentic when everything is kept up. Uh, I don't know that I would necessarily be able to list for you uh, differences between the different attractions. Because I don't know that I paid attention To those kind of things, I was just enjoying the experience. But the fact that that was still there, I could experience it in another country, a ride that I knew that was familiar, uh, and how clean that attraction and how well kept up it was made it feel different, even though, again, to the best of my recollection, I don't know that there were many drastic differences between that and the stateside versions of that ride, whether it be in, in Florida or California.
1: Tokyo built on a landfill has the same problem that Florida does, which is one of the big differences about the attraction in Florida. It does not have, uh, you, you can't dig very deep. And uh, and so Tokyo had the option of choosing, they went through both parks, Disneyland and Walt Disney World, to choose the best of what they wanted to bring. I think management thought they would go to Walt Disney World and bring uh, Pirates of the Caribbean from there because they have the same problem with not being able to have a very, uh, long, uh, uh, fall or drop in the opening sequence. But, um, but to their credit, Tokyo said, no, we got to have the Disneyland version. They took the, the magic kingdom version of haunted mansion, but they kept, uh, the Disneyland version and it is almost identical to the experience that you receive at, um, Disneyland the only thing is is that their drops are much more like Walt Disney World and there's only one of them uh, initially instead of two of them like you have at Disneyland so but going back to what you were talking about uh, these people uh, have an ability to maintain an attraction like no other the the sound system is crisp the lighting is perfect The animatronics look like every one of them is of the most uh, um, current and up-to-date version of animatronic you could possibly have. They work uh, flawlessly. They work with great fluidity. Uh, Everything, the details are perfectly laid out. If there's a, a lesson to take from Tokyo Disney, it's maintain the gold standard. I loved what you said, David, it looks like it had just opened the day before. It is that crisp and that well um, done. And I think that's a great lesson for anyone take back to the products and services they offer. How do you keep that standard? It's more than just building it once, it's how do you maintain it? Which is the opposite of the challenge at Disneyland Paris. They have an operational challenge there with maintaining things, but they did do a great job designing that um, attraction. Um, What was cool about this is that Disneyland Paris was really the first park to take in a new generation of Imagineers to design it. And by doing so, they were able to kind of take a step back and say, okay, what if this works and what if this doesn't work? And they changed the flow of the attraction um, you actually begin with the jail scene. You actually ascend up and then drop down later on. Um, and it's, it's thought through differently. You end with the skeleton scenes, uh, the cave, caverns uh, scenes. It's really, it's a really differently thought out uh, parts of the Caribbean. And it makes a lot more sense. Added to that, it, it is coupled when, um, one of the very strange things about Disneyland is that while it had a Pirates of the Caribbean and a New Orleans Square and all that over there, on the opposite side in the old Fantasyland was a pirate ship just sitting in a small lagoon with a Skull Rock. And it was one of my favorite things, but it was so out of place in Fantasyland. The Imagineers at Disneyland Paris said, hey, we got to have that pirate ship back, but we're going to put that in Adventureland where it makes sense. They added Skull Rock, Adventure Isle. They added... uh, um, some elements, small elements from Treasure Island, a film that was done many years ago by Disney. Elements, of course, from Swiss family Robinson, which also had, if you recall, pirate scenes, uh, that they were the enemy in that that film. And they just they just weave that really nicely. And then when uh, Pirates actually sits as you go into Fantasyland and as you move into that land, what is right there, but but Peter Pan's flight? It just weaves perfectly. So you have that uh, the blessing of a new generation looking at it, thinking about it out of the box, and and allowing the products and services to evolve in a thoughtful way. Uh, and I think that's the that's the lesson from there. Let the next generation in, and uh, let them uh, shape it and take it to the next level. Now, we've gone through Disneyland, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom. We've Tokyo Disneyland, Disneyland Paris. The next of the Magic Kingdoms built was Hong Kong Disneyland. And Hong Kong Disneyland is different than all the other Magic Kingdom parks because of what?
0: It was missing a lot of things.
1: (laughs) It was. And the biggest of all those things was Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, You know... It, it um big thunder on day 1 wasn't there haunted mansion wasn't there on day 1 it's a small world came a couple of years later although when they did it it's it's beautifully done um but it's never had and and they have equivalents for haunted mansion with mystic manor and with the attraction in adventureland which should be a frontier land of big grizzly mountain uh, runaway mine cars so that kind of makes an interesting replacement for big thunder mountain but there's nothing there is no equivalent to pirates of the caribbean and it's like having this and i think this is what hong kong's problem was from day one is it was missing the crown jewels of the magic kingdom collection and so everybody immediately dismissed it as "Eh, it's not the same as the other disney parks Uh, i think that was a big mistake even today, it's not there. You can't go offering something subpar when people are expecting the very best. You could take it and move it to the next level or do a, do a different effort on it, but to miss it altogether, I think, is a miss on a Magic Kingdom park. And I think that's the, the lesson we learned from Hong Kong Disneyland. Now, the last of all the Magic Kingdoms that have opened up is Shanghai Disneyland. And uh, there we get almost the opposite (laughs) extreme level when it comes to Pirates of the Caribbean. We not only get an incredible Pirates of the Caribbean attraction, what do we get? We get an entire pirate land, uh, which, you know, considering Pirates of the Caribbean is often part of adventure land, like in Magic Kingdom or Disneyland Paris, here, even though they have an adventure land, they still have another land dedicated entirely to this whole thing this whole uh, genre of pirates uh, called Pirate's Cove. Uh, Talk about that, David. What stood out about that experience and, and of course, the signature attraction there?
0: Uh, So that attraction, I mean, that entire land there, uh, when you walk in, you're starting to feel, you know, hear the music, and just feel that whole atmosphere kind of as if you are walking around through what might be one of those villages in the other pirates attractions i mean that i may have mentioned this on an earlier podcast but that the pirates of the caribbean attraction in shanghai is without a doubt the best ride I have ever been on at any Disney theme park. I could not get enough of it. Thankfully, uh, for a lot of the time, uh, I was by myself later in the evenings, and there was a single rider line for Pirates. There didn't really need to be at the time that I was there, but that didn't stop me. And so I would go on and I would walk, I I, I I, rode that retraction at least 10 times, it may have even been a little more, and talk about, I mean, if there was, a, if Disneyland or Walt Disney World is a ride, you can go on and see details every time. I mean, this absolutely quadruples that ability with both floor-to-ceiling screen effects. Uh, The vehicle that you are in uh, rotates and can turn uh, as you go through different experiences. Animatronics that are absolutely cutting edge. I mean, the music, there was a brand new score, or uh, portions of a score anyway, written for this attraction. And it shows that these folks at Disney Imagineering and the people that they used in this project did not rest on their laurels and just throw the exact same attraction in that they may have taken the idea from the gold standard, but they absolutely wanted to make sure that they topped it in Shanghai.
1: Other than the castle at Shanghai, uh, they spent more money on that attraction than any other in the park. And it, it shows. It's um, new film technology, animatronic, special effects. You talked about the Omnimover at Haunted Mansion kind of focusing in one direction. The difference here is you ride in a boat, and a fairly large one, but the boat turns, almost pivots on a dime at some point to direct the attention of the guest as they go through. So unlike the cocktail party philosophy that you have um, with the other Pirates of the Caribbean. They're telling a very specific story and they want to make sure that you're not missing on the important details of that story as it's laid out. Um, and, and that story is clearly centered around Jack Sparrow. That's not just, ah, oh, let's find a place for Jack Sparrow to show up a couple of times. This is Jack Sparrow's story. We've got Davy Jones. We've got the entire crew. It is very much um, anchored into the um, film um, as opposed to the original attraction. And yet, gosh, you know, it's fresh. I have to say if Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland is my favorite attraction, this is probably my second favorite attraction. It's just, and it's so different and it can be that way because it's so unique and so different than the others. Add a queue. That's fantastic. Add the whole land. Uh, did, uh, did you dine at the restaurant? Uh, that overlooked the attraction
0: the uh Barbosas yes uh, I, yep. I, I
1: it was actually um, that you
0: mentioned that uh, my travel partner and I had said well we want to eat there because it's kind of the Shanghai version of blue Bayou if you want to call it that way right where you're sitting uh, and and you're able to eat in there overlooking the attraction and the food that I had was just horrible it, it was I mean it was <laughs> it was like ribs and and corn you know so it was supposed to be a pirates meal I suppose and it was Potentially one of the only bad meals I had had there. But it was what was interesting is, is you know, you got to watch uh, all the, the boats go by, and the vehicles are actually the, the same ride technology as is in the Escape from Gringotts attraction in Universal. So basically, instead of being a cart on a track, they are on a track in Pirates in uh, Shanghai, and it just happens to be that water is around them. So as far as I understand, yeah. that those vehicles could move without water, uh, but it's adding to that experience, and they leverage that technology at every moment of that ride to where they use how they can manipulate that ride vehicle to make you feel more immersed in that story than you had been before. And the connection to Jack Sparrow doesn't stop inside that attraction, but there's the, the stunt show right next door. Oh um, my goodness. Thank you for mentioning that also involves, you know, basically this, uh, you know, kind of a comedian vaudevillian, act and uh, about making fun of Jack Sparrow and how they think that Jack Sparrow is such a joke. And so this comedian comes out and portrays Jack Sparrow as kind of this uh, goofball, you know, can't do anything kind of character. And then Jack Sparrow himself comes in and is hunted, uh, you know, by the English. And then this just unbelievable. I mean, if you, if you don't ever think you're going to get to Shanghai and you want to see this, uh, there is full ride video on YouTube that you can find. But the stunts that are done in this show, I mean, in this theater, it just a completely surrounding experience inside of that theater. And they did not just say, let's put in a nice Pirates of the Caribbean in Shanghai. It was a, what appears to be a very intentional decision that this was going to be uh, an entire land that you could spend a large chunk of time in at that park.
1: Yeah, no, speaking of that attraction, uh, the, the whole scenery drops and you're on a harbor and it looks like, you know, a storm is coming in and then a vortex comes in and you see, I mean, the most creative Pirate sword fight ever, ever created because these people are floating in air in a vortex of air, uh, fighting each other, and it is, it is impressive on any level. If it would be my favorite entertainment piece, if it were in English, and you had some witty dialogue, you know, comedic dialogue to go with that, I'm sure it's witty for those who see it in in man, uh, Mandarin, but uh, but it is a great show. Thank you for mentioning that as well. What here's the message. They've evolved the offering. Just like the films have taken Pirates to the next level, they've taken the attractions to the next level. They've kept building more and more ideas to take. And it's and I think that's the that's the thing to really celebrate. Pirates of the Caribbean is not uh something that is just this ride. It has evolved into and and, and it's even more than uh An IP offering. It has evolved into more than even a brand. It has evolved into an experience like no other, and it is it is a cornerstone of the Disney um, experience. Truly, um, it is one of the crown jewels of Disney. The entire Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, offering from beginning to end and across the world. If you have a chance to visit any of these parks internationally, you definitely need to do that. Now, on our website, we do show some pictures, uh, try to also um, incorporate a, a video or two. So be sure to go to DisneyAtWork.com. Uh, it will also um, outline those Pirates of the Caribbean souvenirs that you could take back home to your own business. Think about how you would approach your own products and services. No, you don't run a ride, but you do have products and services and the lessons from this can be applied uh, to your own business. In fact, I will say um, that's what we do is we help organizations like yours, public, private, nonprofit. uh, Sometimes we take them to the Disney park so that they can experience this and, and we facilitate their understanding of that. Sometimes we come to their organization and bring these ideas and notions of how to take your leadership, your customer experience, your employees to the next level, applying all these ideas that we talk about uh, at Disney at work. Uh, So uh, check out the articles and give us a call. If that's something you want for your own organization, call us, talk to us because we can, we can help shape uh, an experience that helps you take these same lessons back to your own organization.
0: And I think that's an important thing for all of our listeners to know is that at the end of every one of these episodes... We do uh, deliver what we're referring to as the Disney at Work souvenirs. What are these take-homes? And that's the important thing that we want to make sure that we continue to drive home for everyone that's listening is this is what you do at at DisneyatWork.com and what your company does is be able to find these very simple takeaways. Uh, These are not going to be takeaways that take a massive amount of time to discuss. They are things that are very simple that can be used and put into practice, and that is what you do for businesses both big and small. So if you uh, do run a business, or perhaps you work in a business that you think could use the health of Jeff and his company, we encourage you to visit disneyatwork.com to look into the offerings they have, as well as our our old blogs.
1: Hey, let me just mention, while we're here, stay tuned, over the next couple of days, uh, we are um, announcing and celebrating uh our 10th anniversary my 10th anniversary of blogging uh online uh some 600 blogs over my (laughs) over the last 10 years uh at disney at work on other sites performance journeys um world-class benchmarking uh so we're going to be celebrating some of the best of the best so you may want to check that out to see some some really great uh, articles that we've highlighted over the years i'm also going to announce some new um, activities, events that you may want to attend and be a part of. And so look, keep your eye out for those announcements because uh, we tend to, uh, uh, we wanna make uh, the best of this uh, 10th year uh, anniversary celebration and uh, create some activities that uh, you could participate in. So keep your eyes out for those opportunities.
0: As we close today, we once again ask that uh, if you would like to hear any of our previous episodes, you can go to our show page at iTunes and you can subscribe so you can both get the old episodes as well as get informed of new ones and we also would love to get a written review or a rating of the show so that others know what you think of the Disney at Work podcast if you'd like to read any of the show notes blogs that Jeff has mentioned or any of his other writings you can visit disneyatwork.com and click on the podcast tab in the upper right hand corner where you will find all things podcast related Thank you so much for joining us today. Jeff, why don't you take us out?
1: Hey, thanks, everybody. Um, Yo-ho, yo-ho. Have a great weekend. Have a great week. And uh, enjoy, uh, enjoy Disney Day. Thanks, everybody.